If you don't sit in your lucky seat, your team could lose. So don't leave your lucky seat. But do pick up your phone or computer and order B-dubs to go. Or if you've got a big group, call in for the party menu. That way you can order wings, pick them up, and get back to your lucky seat. And if you do lose while sitting in your lucky seat, you can still feel lucky eating your feelings. Spicy feelings. Keep your superstitions. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. And we have something really important to talk about. Oftentimes, many people on the autism spectrum are misrepresented, misdiagnosed, misunderstood, and today we may not be clearing up everything, but we have a really forward-thinking individual who puts her thoughts into actions to really create a better life for people on the spectrum, and I'm talking about Joanne Laura, who has dedicated her life's work to improving the lives of individuals with autism autism through movement and through music. She's also a core adjunct professor at the National University in California, and she also helps design their autism certificates. Her advocacy has led to founding the nonprofit organization Autism Movement Therapy, the recipient of three Autism Speak grants, which is also home-based in California. Her method, Autism Movement Therapy Method, Waking Up the Brain, that's her book too, but her method is incredible. I have her book. I've seen some of her performances, not close up and personal, but I think that, that her message is so vital. She has trained people all over the world in helping certifying them in autism and certifying them in movement therapy from United States, Canada, India, Malaysia, South America, UK, Italy, China, Kuwait, and so many other places. And she talks about how music and movement have an incredible effect in the creation of speech and language in behavioral and cognitive domains for individuals on the autism spectrum. Welcome, Joanne. How are you? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Joanne. It's a pleasure to be on your show. You know, it's my pleasure, and I've looked at some of your stuff, and it's really so exciting. I have your book here, too, but I think that the the effect that you're making to Firstly, globally, is helping people understand the importance of movement and music to people with autism. So tell us a little bit about what that means and and how that really helps people on the spectrum be able to, to learn, to communicate, 
to to shift their behavior? Well, what we're finding is that, and and it's been an, kind of an uphill battle in the last couple of years, but now we're looking at a movement and music program as a as a as a real viable intervention for individuals on the autism spectrum. With with that said, what we're doing is activating that cortical cortex in the brain that stimulates the lobes that actually kind of makes a charge, if you will, for the areas that are not functioning. Uh, autism is a neurological impairment. It's not a disease. So uh, each individual with autism is going to manifest in, in a different way. So there's a saying, if you've met one individual with autism, you've met one individual with autism. So what we're doing is looking at specifically case-by-case case, individual, where that individual is, and then serving them through a movement and music program that activates gross motor, stimulates audio, audio processing in the temporal lobe, and gets that frontal lobe organized, which is our executive functioning lobe. And what we're seeing is many of our individuals who have limited communication or limited speech, or they like to say nonverbal, but typically an individual is not nonverbal. They, if you're making sounds, you, you are verbal. Um, but we're, we're kicking language. So we're seeing a little ones that we're working with, even at a young age of years of age who are not speaking, have delayed language, speech and language, who are beginning to talk. So that would be probably the most, most important outcome from the movement of music. But then you get the sheer pleasure of dancing. You get a social skills aspect to it. Behaviors begin to fall away. Behavior is a, is a criteria for autism, behavior, speech and language, and a social skill deficit. So we're serving all the areas in, in a movement of music program. And you know it's it really it really works, and that's the beautiful part of it. Now, when you're training people all over the world, because yes, what you, when you when you're working with one individual with autism, it's one individual with autism. How do you help them understand that concept when they're teaching dance and and music and 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 working with? Are they working in groups? Are they working more individually? How does how does that work? And how does that that concept shift? To, to the people that you're certifying? Well, what we're, what we're doing is patterning and sequencing. The brain likes to know where it is, if you will. In other words, the brain wants to see structure. The brain wants to be able to make sense out of its environment. We are presenting a 45-minute structured pattern and sequencing class, and that means that the class remains basically and typically the same. It's the theory of ballet. If you've, if you've ever taken ballet as a youngster mm -hmm. or uh, as, you, you know, as you took ballet classes, then you know that you're always going to go in and start with your left hand at the bar and plie. And the, and, the, and the class stays basically the same throughout. So you could, without fear, say to yourself, you know what, I'd like, I'm, I'm going, say, you're, I'm going to Paris or going to uh, Mexico or I'm going to New York. I want to take a ballet class. You know what to expect. Our individuals with autism want to know what to expect as well. And we, we call that taking the fear factor out. They live in a world of fear. They live in a world of unstructured variables in their in their day-to-day -day existence in life, in their academic settings as well as their 
after school and related services settings. So what we want to do is take that fear out so that they know what to expect. So when I hear people or I speak with mothers who say, oh, yes, my child has is, is taken a, 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 a dance class, but it didn't work out. Well, <laughs> how, how, how did that happen? What does that look like? Oh, well, he ran out, meaning, you know, he, he, he ran out of the room of avoidance, escape avoidance, um, or he, he, was under the, he was at the corner under the bar. I want to say, I say, then I say, well, what kind of a class, what, what, what was happening in the class? Well, every time we go, it's different. Right there, wrong. You want to make sure that the individual knows what he's coming into is comfortable and he knows what to expect. If there's anything that I could say to anyone that's delivering a movement and music program, because we want our kids to have access to movement and music. It's such an incredible intervention for them. Make it the same. Make it predictable. Make sure you're using patterns and sequencing that the, that the individual knows what to expect when they come into that environment every time they come into your dance class or your movement and music class. You know, I agree. I think, I think that structure and that repetition is important. And, and sometimes it's not just people on the spectrum or individuals on the spectrum, but it, that, that need that. We also, to some extent, need that in our lives when we structure our morning. What are you doing in the morning? How do you wake up? And I think that that's so important. And like you said, it takes the fear. It makes people more comfortable. So, so that's an essential part of it. Now, you have this book, and like I said, I have it, and we talked a little bit about how it does wake up the brain. Tell us why this book is so important, why you wrote it, and give me a little, give, give our listeners really a little bit of background about the book and, and how it's serving people today. Sure. Well, I started, Joanne, as, a, and as an educator. I have a, a moderate to severe education specialist credential. So I began working with our population back in uh, 1999 in the LA Unified School District. And I had special day classes uh, where our, our students stay in the same setting, if you will, during the day. And their academic, uh, uh, their academic curriculum is tailored to the individual uh, with alternative curriculum. I kind of, and at this time it wasn't happening. It's happening much more now. I know that because I go into the school settings for National University all the time here in, in Los Angeles. But back in uh, 1999 and 2000, we weren't we weren't using the arts as a as a program, uh, an intervention program for kids with autism. And I had a third, fourth, and fifth grade class, and I had nine students and. Um, Many of them were rolling on the floor and stimming on the lights, and we had uh, uh, three or four individuals who were nonverbal, not talking, and then we had some pretty aggressive behaviors. And I would move the chairs in the desk over to the side, move the beanbag chairs, put on music, and we would do yoga and we would dance. I would do a dance, a small, you know, a short dance class, and I always played music at the front of the room in my CD player if the students were working on task. So I had music continually playing with no lyrics, either classical or environmental music. I was doing yoga. I was doing dance. And these kids started not stimming. 
being able to sit in, in their chairs. I taught them to read. had one boy that I think of specifically who, who, um, who left two years later from my, from my class uh, and transitioned into a middle school setting. He was working on a computer. They all were working on computers, but he had become, come to a level where he was mastering a math program and a language arts program. He was talking, albeit, will you be going to middle school with us, right. Miss Laura, in a very, you know, <laughs> and a cadence that we're this familiar to us for individuals with autism. But nonetheless, and I, and to that I replied, no, but you have my number and my email, and your mother can call me, and if you want to talk to me, you can come back, and he said, we are going to miss you, Miss Laura. And I thought, you know what, bingo, it's all about that movement and music. And when I transitioned, I was working on my master's at that at that time and writing a thesis on environmental toxins as an etiological factor in autism back in the early 2000s, meaning coal-burning power plants and PCDs and dioxins and um, anti-marathol and vaccines in the late 80s and uh, early 90s. And um, I said, when I transition into a university setting, which I had had my heart set on, then I'm going to develop a program for our kids, and that's what I did. And in 2007, I uh, made the Autorobics DVD, which is a DVD that can be used specifically for educators in the public school system. It's only it's, it's scaffolded in three levels, and they're only 11 and 12 minutes long, and they're color-coded. So uh, many educators use the Autorobics DVD across the country, um, and then, and then I started a class. I just started up an autism movement therapy class, and there weren't any of those classes in Los Angeles. And we've been up and running since 2008. We've had hundreds of students come through. I have kind of a core group. I have AMT dancers. Those are the dancers you're talking about. You saw performing because there's a lot yeah. of video on my website of them actually performing. We we're asked to perform maybe five, six times a year. Uh, they all uh, they they all get very excited. They they love performing, and of course, it's just uh, the parents. It, it just they just hang, it just hangs the moon for them because they don't have the opportunity to see their kids in a performance setting very often. So. They get out and they perform, but they come to class every Saturday. The class is every Saturday in the Valley in Los Angeles from 11.30 to 12.15. And um, when I'm in town, uh, I travel a lot, but I'm usually almost every Saturday of every month. Um, I'm, in, I'm in, in town, and um, we have 8 to 10 students who are there every every Saturday at 11.30. And those are kind of the core, that's the basis of my of the book. I wanted to write a book because I knew there were a lot of individuals who couldn't come to me. I certify and train and I travel with a certification, but you know, it becomes expensive to to travel for a certification workshop outside of outside of your your hometown, and I wanted to be able to reach individuals who who knew that movement and music were a wonderful intervention for our kids and didn't know how to go about delivering one. And so I, I, I was approached by Jessica Kingsley Publishers in London. They said, would you write us a book? And um, I said, absolutely. I have been trying to pitch them a children's book, and they were uh, on, about autism, about a boy who begins to speak um, through taking arts and ed movement and music class, a dance class. But they weren't interested because he was fully fully included, and that was a little bit pushing the envelope for them at that time. 
And um, they said, how about an autism movement therapy method book? And I said, absolutely. And we're writing another book because I've segued into adult programs, uh, 17 and older, pre-employment skills to jobs in a program called Autism Works Now. That's in its second year of pilot. We started with a, with a Temple Grandin and Friends event, Autism Works Now, honored Temple. Temple spoke about how important it was for jobs, job training, and how we have to get our kids working when they transition out of the public school setting. So now uh, uh, Jessica Kingsley Publishers has asked us to write another book we deliver in January, and it's called Autism Works Now Method. So I continue to want to be able to pass the information and the knowledge on to anyone who, who, who wants it, you know, Anybody who wants to serve this population needs to have the tools to do it. There's many people out there that are writing methods books. Uh, we're one of the first to write a, a work program. We're, we're, we're including templates for classrooms and secondary education systems, how to, um, how to prepare our kids for the job market when they transition. And what does that look like? You have to be able to use a computer. You have to be able to be, be able to use Google Docs. You need an email in order to have a job. And many of our moderate to severe students, that passes them by. They're not getting what the fundamentals are for job and employment in this country at this time. So we wanted to serve that, that gap, if you will. And we also have a program every, every Thursday from 6 to 7.30, we meet as a group and we have 10 individuals, 17 and older, and we have three sessions a month, and one session a month, we go on a field trip. We just went to Best Buy last Thursday, met with the manager. We prepare questions for the manager. What about working here? What jobs are available? What does that look like? What could that look like for me? And um, we're thrilled about this program. That's one of, the, one of the grants we got from Autism Speaks was an Autism Works Now program. And um, and then, of course, as I said, the book is, is, is coming out in uh, next June, I think. We deliver in June, I mean in January, so the book should be out by June. But, you know, look, we all have to, we all have to collaborate in order to serve this population who, is who are now transitioning. And 90% of these individuals are not employed. You know, and what's so unfortunate, too, is that the, it's – Afterwards, after they graduate from high school, they, not only do they not have the skills, many of them, for employment, but they also can be incredibly isolated in the, unless they have some some kind of program for social activity. And, and, and I think it's, it's that it really puts them at a disadvantage. So I think what you're doing, this program, Autism Works, is so very, very important. I want to get back to movement for a minute, and then, and then we'll be let go of that because I think that also the movement and music aspect of the, and therapy, it's fun. It allows children to to have the structure as you were talking about and to work with with waking up the brain. And yet there's a, an element of fun and playfulness about it that oftentimes our students don't get to do. And and you and I spoke yesterday, and I was telling you about when I pioneered a program and, and that's what I use, I, you know, for children with, with autism, I use movement and play to get them to do, to communicate, to, to work, to put, to do whatever it is they needed to do. So I think that that, 
That's so vital, and I'm glad that you are doing it and that so many people are on board with it all over the world because this is the way we move forward and this is the way we really make change and we bring what's necessary to to the autism population and also to their families. And like as you were talking about these students actually performing and how their parents, Joanne, don't always get to see them perform I was just seeing, visualizing their parents beaming because here they are, they're watching their, their son, their daughter on stage performing in front of people and what a delight and, and what a tribute to them and also to you. I think that's essential. The autism Thank you. Work. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that the two we we were we were asked to perform at the 2015 International Special Olympics. That was huge for these kids and their parents. And then one of our one of our own young uh high schoolers put on a big performance uh Autism Autism Live, I believe it was at the Universal Studios last April and he invited us to perform. And we also have a singer that that wrote the music for our um, wrote the theme song for Generation A, Portraits of Autism and the Arts, which is my documentary on the arts and individuals with autism. That's playing on PBS across the country, and she performs with us, Susan Scheller. And there were there was a crowd of maybe I think four or five hundred people. That was that was just it's so incredible. I was standing in the audience. I was not on stage with the kids. I don't have to be on stage with the kids any longer because I've trained many of the students who are older and they're able to actually lead and um and, and lead the performances without me being on stage, which is something is an incredible it's a it's an incredible That's movement true. forward. And I'm able to watch them <laughs> for the first time in the maybe a year or so, you know. I was always on stage with them in, uh, in the beginning, but now I'm able to watch and I was just looking around at these their parents' faces and I mean it's just like it's it's just it's priceless. You know, there's just absolutely no price you can put on that. To see their children up on a stage at Universal Studios at City Walk with five hundred people watching them dance. It's I love it's, it. It's I, crazy good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that's so wonderful. And again, how how so you know I could see parents grinning and crying and and all that all of the above. Let's go yeah. back to autism works too because I think that's so vital and that and and that many of these children are underserved in that way. I actually work with a few families here, and one particular family her her son just graduated and um, is working with Division of Developmental Disabilities, and yet they're having such difficulty getting him trained, which which could have taken place earlier and could have taken place in so many ways. What do, what do secondary school people need to do to help these children, these young, because they're turning into young adult, adults, to help them learn about some of these work skills so that they can come out more employable? Well, here, that's a good, excellent question. And it's, you know, as you can imagine, very, very complex. And and here lies the issue, doesn't it? 90% unemployment. So the, the public school system is responsible for putting together what we call an ITP plan, Individualized Transition Plan, 
for the student when they're 14 or 16. It's state by state, is depending on what age they begin this ITP process. It's part of the IEP process, the Individualized Education Plan or program. And that plan, the ITP, addresses three core domain subjects. One is what would this individual's life look like when he transitions out of the high school setting at 18 or 22 in a social skills community, in employment, and residential. The federal government and mandate is those three areas are addressed. So the IEP team should be addressing this as early as 14 or 16 years of age while the individual is still in this public school setting. The, the downfall here is, or the, you know, here's, here's where the, where the rub is, is that they use an assessment tool. It's a national assessment tool, or it should be used. Many times I find it's not used. They ask the individual, what do you want to do? I want to work at a, 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 a mechanic like my dad. Great. They write mechanic. That's the end of the story. Every year they write mechanic, and the, the, the individual transitions out of uh, at 22, and uh, and that's the end of the story because there's not a job available for him, and he has no skill set. He has no skill set to be like that. You know, it's just, I mean, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous, Joanne. So now there is a tool. There's about four different tools that can be used that are assessment tools that kind of hone down what that individual could be good at. And and we should be using it. One tool is called WorkSmart. And um, it's good for our moderate to severe individuals. We use it for Autism Works now. At any rate, what we what what we need to do is once we've taken that assessment and we know what that individual is great at and say they're 17 and they go you know what this this kid is really loves to bake he needs to work in a bakery and let's face it there's a bakery on every corner in this country we should mm-hmm. not be having to say our kids are 90% unemployed there are there it's vast and varied of where they can work in the jobs that should be available to him them so He's good at baking. He likes to bake. He does an assessment, and it says, wow, this kid's great. You know what? He he knows how, he understands recipes. He likes to make things. He likes to see a cause and effect. He, you know, this is a great, this would be a great job for him. Well, good luck with that, because where is he going to learn to bake? In Los Angeles, there's only six schools that offer what we call a career and transition center where they're offering skill sets like that. One of them I know of, I love. I actually gave them an award at our Temple Grandin and Friends Autism Works Now. I said, look, this is the model we need to be replicating across this country called Miller Career and Transition Center. They have a 650000 full-on bakery, a $650,000 bakery that has the steel and the metal and the things and the, and the, and the ovens and the, where you really learn to be a baker. But we have six of those. Six. Right. How many kids are being served? Huh, maybe a hundred a year are transitioning that know how to bake. And then it even gets even more complicated because when you ask the question, how many of them who were trained to work in a bakery when they were in high school uh, in a transition program between 18 and 22 uh, years, how many of them are actually working in a bakery? Well, we don't know those stats because we're not responsible for getting them the job. So it goes back to your... Your individual who's working at the at the uh, DDT. That's all well and good, but we're putting band-aids over bullet holes too late. We should be teaching skill sets in a vocational training across the country in middle and high school so that we're.
educating these kids with a skill set that equates to a paycheck and a job. You know, I also, as you know, is on Hillary Clinton's Disability right. Employment Task Force team. That's what we were shouting. Bring back, if you heard her in her speech in North, one of her speeches in North Carolina, she said, I want to bring back vocational centers. Hello? That's the I way to go. We, we need so these individuals to know how to do something. Do a job. You know, I I think that that's so important, and I think also that there are ways when these kids are in high school, even to have some kind of so-called internship internship program, whereby that child who is great at be at a bake at baking can actually go in and work in a bakery while he's in school and learn those skills a little bit. And also there needs to be more like you're talking about in terms of transition so that there is some follow up or follow through or whatever it is. So it's not like, okay, my, we're done. <laughs> that kid just aged out and now right. we don't, we're not responsible anymore. Well, I think that's, you know, that's malarkey. And I think that 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 needs to be addressed as well. So I'm glad that you're doing that. And I think that's so very important. And, you know, it's really puts these kids at such a disadvantage because many of these kids, like the one family that I was talking about, her son is so gifted in computers and in mechanical skills. He Nobody taught him. He just knows how to put things together and right. and and yet they haven't found a program for him that matches his skill set whereby he could learn and begin to make money and and feel like he's contributing and feel really good about himself and that's a disservice to to so many of these kids you know i had absolutely I have, a friend, I have a friend who years mm-hmm. ago she did in in new york she was and it wasn't necessarily with children on uh, with autism or on the spectrum she was a vice principal and she connected with a lot of dance dancers, musicians, computer. She connected with, with a lot of businesses and she brought them into the classroom. She actually had them coming in, doing workshops, working with the kids. I don't know if she had a grant or what she did. But it was mm-hmm. incredibly exciting, and it, it helped kids learn in a very different kind of way by firstly learning with these, so these professionals, these artists, and, and working with them firsthand. And it was just a beautiful, you know, what came out of it was something very, very beautiful. So we need more of what you're doing. Yes, and that's part of that is a big piece of our Autism Works Now program. As, as I said, we were at Best Buy, but uh, last year we uh, we piloted the program. We were at Fox Studios in HR. The HR director actually went one on one with our candidates. They brought in their resume. She looked over their resume and said, "Tweak this and this and this." Gave them a, a mock interview, if you will. We also were at. Um, with the CEO of FX uh, on Fox Lot Studio, Chuck right. Affler, 
he met with us in the boardroom. Couldn't have been more cordial. We're going back there next week. He's invited us back this year. You know, these are the kind of things. We, we're trying to give the, the candidates the opportunity to see what's out there because they're so cloistered, they don't even know what's available for them. Uh, I love what your friend's doing. We also do have workability programs. I want to make sure I make this clear. Workability programs are, are national, and they are where when the student is uh, – in high school setting, they are able to go out a certain number of hours a day and work at, say, Macy's or Bloomingdale's or Joanne's Fabrics, Best Buy, uh, Home Depot, and they receive a paycheck. And it's supposed to be, you know, it was put in place in 2000. It's part of the ITP process that, that was put in place in 2004, I believe. It was one of the uh, amendments. And it was to introduce individuals in the high school setting to what's out there as far as job opportunity for them. What happens is they found that it doesn't extend to after they're in the high school setting. So when they're 22 and they transition out, just like you said, uh, you know, don't let the door hit you. And there's no follow-through between that job that they had at Macy's. There's no employment. So the employer is it's kind of a win-win for the employer because they get they get the opportunity to have a lot of our kids come in, they take the clothes, say Macy's, they take the clothes out of the boxes, they put them into medium and small and the sizes, and they hang them up. They do a service for the employer. Right. But it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not returned to the individual or, or the school system after that, that kid transitions. So, there needed to be another piece that said, okay, oh, yeah, but guess what? And you also need to hire a certain number of these percentage of these individuals when they transition. And that's not that. what's in place. That's, well, that needs to be in place. That's so, that's so important, especially they're doing a service. They've been trained. They're good at what they're doing. And obviously you're going to hire the ones that, that are more skilled and that got used to the the culture and, and, and exactly what what the job requires, and yeah, do it. Yeah, so. absolutely. So the new buzzword, I will say to you, the new buzzword nationally is internship. And the federal government is pushing for uh, programs where they're giving larger incentives for big businesses and medium. And I like to say they need to make sure they're doing it for the small business as well. Because as Temple Grandin and I say, there's where you're more apt to get somebody that will say, you know what, I'm a small business. I'd love to train you you're like, you're, like you're, you're a friend's son. He's great at this. I need that guy. Say it's computer graphics. I need that guy on my team. I'm going to bring him on. And an incentive from the federal government tax-wise is going to even make that more possible. So that's well, what we're looking at. We're looking at the federal government playing a hand in this. Now, who knows what's going to happen now in the federal government and the hand in disability? That's kind of up in the air, isn't it? We don't know. So we knew with Hillary. We knew what Hillary's mandate was. We knew what her, we knew what her protocol was for not only uh, transitioning and employment, but for in the beginning for parents who were getting early diagnoses early diagnoses, pre, uh, early intervention, you know, um, we knew what that platform looked like. Uh, uh, sadly, the other candidate doesn't have a platform. So, Right, and, which is unfortunate, really. I yes. think, too, that, that what you're talking about in terms of small businesses, that there could be small community businesses, that, that there may be something more 
warm and friendly and, 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 you know, and it may be more inviting to, to some of our kids and it could really open up so many different doors. I could use somebody right now as an assistant who could do this, who has computer savvy, right? I mean, <laughs> right. That's, yes. right? And, and it, so many it happens us- to it happens to us in autism works now because we we're at CARD Center for Autism and Related Disorders. Uh, Dr. Doreen is a friend of ours, and that's a, beha- a global behavior ABA program, and she offers us a boardroom space for our class every every Thursday night, and we have to hook up our projector because everything's done on uh, projection on the onto the white wall, and we're using Google Docs. Everything is technology. And sometimes we have a hard time connecting in and we have to reroute around, you know, around like a block or a firewall. (laughs) And there's an eight-year-old little guy there named Brody who's like, I got it. You know, he comes and he sits down and he, and he, and he tweaks it and we're on, you know, and we're like, thanks Brody. You know, (laughs) he's eight years old. He's going there for behavior, you know, and he's like the best thing in technology. We're like, Oh, Brody saved us. You know, he saved us tonight. But yes, our kids have what we call splintered skill sets, as we know, and many of them are very, very savvy in the computer. They grew up with computers, you know, with holding a a cell phone, you know, when they were two or three. So they really know what's what in that area. I also would say that Microsoft, to our audience, a listening audience, Microsoft is looking for those individuals and um, and and are is employing uh, individuals who are tech savvy, but. That's all well and good, and I applaud that, but there's so many more of our individuals that aren't going to be able to fit that bill. You know, we need we need to be able to serve all the way across the spectrum. Uh, I'm glad that there are corporations that are looking for that next genius, if you will, that are looking for their, that, that, that next Temple Grandin who's, who's going to change the way we do business in computers, but that's not that's not the majority of our kids. That's not the majority of our population. We we need to go back to the drawing board. We need to teach them a skill set. And I say that the public school system needs to be responsible for that. And we're putting Band-Aids over bullet holes late in life when they're 22 and 23 having to go to uh, 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 re- the Department of Rehabilitation and say, guess what, I can't get a job. Well, right. yeah, how about – why aren't we waylaying? Why we're waylaying that, and why aren't we teaching in a middle and a high school setting, in 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 vocational center schools across the country? Skill sets. Bring back those vocational training. I know what the answer to that because I'm also a columnist for Autism Asperger's Digest, and I contribute each uh, to each edition. Temple Grandin is our lead editor, and. I just wrote, it took me six months, and I wrote on the on the transition process. And I went back in because I said, hey, I'm talking about vocational, bringing back vocational training centers, and Temple's talking about it, and now we have Hillary Clinton talking about it. But I don't know what happened to him. And I, I went back, and I, you know, I, I did some due diligence. What happened to them was when No Child Left Behind came in oh, right. in 2000, um, we uh, Bush, the Bush administration, was looking to raise the bar on educators and their credentials. So it was it was a mandate that served individuals for reading and math skills and writing because that administration said, you know, not enough kids know math and we can't compete in the global in the global economy. Right. We've got to get our kids up to speed. But what happened was those vocational training teachers didn't hit the mark 
because they didn't. Many of them came from the outside edge, not in through a, up through education. They were woodworkers. They were metal workers. They were workers. And and just as a sidebar, this country in, two, in 1917 began vocational training centers. So they were at the turn of the century – People saw, the government saw, the education system saw, we need, we have a need to train individuals. Let's do it through the public school system. So they had been around for a long, long time. And they were kind of looking the other way on that on that metal worker and that woodworker. And they didn't have the credentialing that we do, you know, that uh, that, that is required now for teaching in a public school system. So what happened was when their times came up after after their time for renewal and they tenured out and they retired, they didn't get replaced. So the vocational centers went by the wayside. That's what happened to the vocational centers. You know, and that's a that's what happened. Right, and that's a travesty. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, there are many pools for, you know, I worked in one, I actually was an executive director of one here that's a residential community, vocational, educational, and they actually have, they still do, they have programs where they, they have kids work in different industries and they do the training and, and they get these kids jobs, but Again, this is a private school as opposed to a public school that needs to think about what are we doing for our population so what they, when they leave, they are capable, they are employable, and they can do so and make a living and also make a contribution. We still need bakers. We still need woodworkers. We still need carpenters. But, you know, the, we, people have homes, people have business cars. We, we need all of those. And it's important that your, one of your main focuses is, is on that because we need to bring more attention to this so that we can have more students trained. And more people working. And it's not a cradle to grave. We need to take away that cradle to grave. We're, we're, we are living with a cradle to, cradle to grave reality of individuals with autism. We are. And very few of them, even with Asperger's, who are high functioning, get jobs and keep them. The attrition rate is terrible. It's, it's, it, it, they get the job, but they don't have the social skill to keep it. And unless they work in the back corner in a cubby, and they eat their lunch there, and they don't have to interact, interact with their other coworkers. They don't keep the job because everyone goes, "Well, he's odd, and he he doesn't say hello, and he never asked me about uh, if I how did those Dodgers do?" You know, it's right. like, mm, you know, and then he, and then he slips up one time, and something you know isn't right, and they let him go. This is what's happening. This is the state right. of affairs, if you will, and, and so. Yeah, it's all of our responsibility because guess what? It's our taxes. We're paying right. for that cradle to grave. It's SSI money, Social Security money. And we and who wants – and forget all the money. Who cares about the budget? Who wants to have nowhere to go every day? That's the deplorable piece is that we're not giving individuals a, a, a place to be somebody. A seat right. at the and table, only, if you will, right. is what we call not it. Not only that, if they don't have a place, if if they're just being idle and they don't have, they don't feel good about what they're doing because they're they're home and they're watching they're watching, playing with their their phone or whatever they're you know or or watching a video or playing a video game. They are not. 
They may be idle and they may also not feel good about themselves. They may get into trouble. They're, they need to be functional. They need to be contributing. They need to be working with other people. And many of these, many of these young, young adults have incredible skills, but it requires us to train them and to have that carryover so that they're not only getting the training as you're talking about, but, but there's something beyond that. So that there's the training, there's the actual receiving of the job, but there also needs to be some on the job training in terms of what you're talking about, Joanne, socialization. What do you do when you have other employees? How do you interact with them? What, what, what kind of exchanges? Because all that is, is incredibly important. We are running out of time, so I want you to give our uh-huh. listeners a little bit of information about how they can reach you if they're interested in also learning more about movement therapy, being certified. Tell people how they can get a hold of you, a hold of this book, Autism Movement Therapy Method, Waking Up the Brain, and all that wonderful information that you have. Certainly. So uh, autismmovementtherapy.org is our Autism Movement Therapy website. And uh, we have a a tab that says store. So you click on that and that'll take you to the products where we have the t-shirts and the Temple Grandin t-shirts and the Autism Movement Therapy t-shirts. But also we have the book, Autism Works Now Method, Waking Up the Brain. We have the documentary, Generation A, Portraits of Autism in the Arts, Temple Grandin's in that, Stephen Shore's in that, Elaine Hall, and, a, and eight individuals on the autism spectrum who excel in the arts area. We've played in over 180 PBS stations across the country. We're thrilled, and we think, I, my fingers are crossed, that we have a Netflix pickup on that. So we're on iTunes now, but you can you can find that, Generation A, Portraits of Autism in the Arts. We have Autorobics DVD that I spoke to you about that can be used in the education setting, in the, in the, uh, in the office setting, in the home setting, excellent for the home. And um, that's under the store tab. We also have a tab that says certification. And I train three times a year here in Los Angeles. It's two-day training, 10-hour training. Uh, the next one's March 18th and 19th, and then June 25th and 26th, Saturday and Sunday. And then I go globally, where wherever I'm, you know, I'm invited to to go, uh, which is how I've gone to Kuala Lumpur and India and uh, China three times. And you know, we're so I go out as well. If you're interested in having me come to you, uh, let's talk. I also have the website. We also have the website AutismWorksNow.org, and that is the pre-employment skills to jobs website and you'll see a lot of video on there a lot of information about what we're doing we're based here in los angeles again we meet once a week on a thursday 6 to 7 30 for those of you listeners that are here in california and los angeles area and um you're welcome to email me joanne at autismmovementtherapy.com or call me i'm i'm happy to speak with you so um Get in touch with me if you have questions about any of it or if you're looking to replicate programs in your own uh, city. I'm happy to help with that and and ideas and brainstorm with you. Uh, We all need to work together collaboratively as a a global village. It's now a global village. We're we're all about global. And there's... Let me just say, as in all of my travels, I have to say that, you know, there's no better place than America to... for getting served for your individual with special needs. We are doing it, and we are doing it well. And we are a a model for the world. 
So, Wonderful. And yeah. and we're going to have yeah. you on again when you're when you're next when your next book comes out sometime in the spring, because I think that's also going to be very important. Joanne, thanks so much for all that you do, for your insight, for your wonderful books, your teaching, for, for your sensitivity and understanding about people on the spectrum, and for moving everything forward so that these children and young adults can live vital, purposeful lives. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joanne. And thank you for all your work. Your contribution is huge. So thank you. Thanks. Have a blessed day. Next week, we're shifting gears, and we're going to have Adam Markle, who wrote the book, Pivot, the Art and Science of Reinventing Yourself. That's November 23rd. If you missed any part of today and any part of Joanne Laura about autism and where we are now and her book, please, you can go to Blog Talk Radio, Joanne White, Power Your Life Radio, listen to it, and you can get the replay. Also, if you want to find out more about what I'm doing and also more heaven, because every child is special, that launch that actually is some of the proceeds are going to the Autism Cares Foundation in Pennsylvania for their Adult Center of Excellence. You can check on my website, Dr. Joanne, D-R-J-O-A-N-N-E-W-H-I-T-E.com. Remember, each and every one of us have the power to change our lives, to support one another, and to make our lives and where we live special. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a blessed day. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest-growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Why pay hundreds more in taxes and fees on your wireless bill? Introducing T-Mobile One, now with taxes and fees included. Get four lines for 40 bucks each per month with AutoPay. Switch your family of four to T-Mobile and get a $600 prepaid card. It's kind of like a refund on the taxes and fees you paid to those other guys last year. Don't wait. Visit a T-Mobile store. Top 3% of data users greater than 28 gigabytes per month may notice reduced speeds. Sales tax and regulatory fees included. Effective with February charges via prepaid MasterCard card. See store for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 